Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Imago Gay Podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Arsenault, and this is an episode sponsored by Spectrum Magazine and SDA Kinship International. Back in October of 2020, I received a text from a friend with a link to a book called Unclobber. This book was being offered for free by a little-known organization called SDA Kinship. I remember scanning the website and thinking, I have never heard of them before. But they were the only LGBTQ-affirming organization within the denomination. And quite frankly, I wasn't sure what to make of them. They weren't asking anyone to change or calling for any type of transformation. So, could they be trusted? So you're basically doing SDA Kinship as a volunteer? Yes, yes. This is Floyd Peanuts, currently the president of SDA Kinship International. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> Since the, uh, the late 80s, yeah. No way. You've been, you've been doing this since the late 80s? Well, not in this role, but in a role or different various roles uh, for SDA Kinship, yeah. I'm, I'm totally, <laughs> totally bought into it and uh, want to spread the mission and the goals of SDA Kinship. So, Ministries like SDA Kinship have been here since long before I came out publicly, and I was interested in their story. Religions are often built on the promise of transformation— I myself have certainly gone through periods of strict dieting or religious observance in pursuit of transformation. The church as an institution believes in self-improvement. It's a part of the allure. The ideals after which it strives are often virtuous, like overcoming selfishness. And of course, there is the underlying promise that individuals who pursue this type of perfection will ultimately arrive at the end goal, which is salvation. The relationship between the LGBTQ community and the church is a rocky one, and ministries that are often promoted are ones that promise change. The change of one's orientation, the overcoming of one's homosexuality, or an advocacy for celibacy, and the absence of that change. So what about organizations that don't believe that being gay or bi or trans is something to be saved from? Have you ever, and I don't know if SDA Kinship is allowed to do this, but are, can you guys, and maybe we'll talk about this again in our interview, but if it works now, that's fine. Can, can you guys be a church? Like, Yeah, that's one of the stipulations of the lawsuit that we cannot be a church, can't advertise as a church because the Adventist, the SDA, the general conference would see that as a competition or or trying to take people away, confuse them, et cetera. So, so we can't be a church, at least not using the name SDA Kinship. I mean, if we come up with a rainbow Christian something or other, we could possibly... Seventh Gay Adventist, that would work. Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> even that's a little iffy. Deneen and Stephen had some, some, you know, cease and desist letters just by using that name. And I'm asking because I know of, you have all of these... SDAs who are looking to integrate themselves into affirming church spaces. And they're always telling me like, oh, I don't really want to be, uh, you know, a Unitarian or I don't really want to be uh, this other denomination, but they're the only place that I can get ordained. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Exactly. Kinship was originally started by Ronald Lawson. He was made aware of the presence of other gay Adventists through national ads in the paper. The first kinship camp meeting took place in Southern California in 1979. Many of these initial members were wrestling with things like the clobber text, Leviticus 18, Romans 1, and they are experiencing a lot of guilt and self-hatred. This camp meeting was a way to address the isolation they had been experiencing as closeted gay Adventists, many of whom had gone through the unsuccessful process of trying to change their sexual orientation. This camp meeting was a place where they could share stories and find camaraderie and a shared experience. According to Ron Lawson, he says, quote, Since we were closeted and anyone who was discovered was disfellowshipped, the church leaders knew almost nothing about our lives or how important faith was to us. <laughs> and, and you guys got into like a sticky brawl um, back in 1987. What is it? So how long ago is that? For taking the name SDA Kinship International. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what happened in that. Yeah. You know, originally the founders of, of SDA Kinship, they threw out a bunch of different names. What do we want to call ourselves? What describes us? And uh, you know, how can people, when they hear about us, recognize who we are? And so, I mean, kinship, we're all a family, that kind of thing was stuck. But then, you know, that could apply to Baptist, Methodist, you know, whoever. And so it was important to say that we are Seventh-day Adventist, or we have Seventh-day Adventist roots, that's where we come from. And we started using the name Seventh-day Adventist Kinship, and then we were international, so, you know, Seventh-day Adventist Kinship International Incorporated uh, as a nonprofit organization. And it was about that time that the church, the first camp meeting was over, and uh, the church decided that they were embarrassed to have a gay group be associated with them. And so they sent a letter of a cease and desist. You know, the church is this big organization with lots of funds, and we were a small you know, what's in your pocket kind of fund right now. But anyway, the trial went on for quite a long time. And I remember I was a fairly new member at that point still. And I heard about it. And, you know, I was rooting for kinship because that was my tribe, my people. And I can remember when the when it was finally announced that we had won the trial. And it was, uh, it was quite a thrilling experience, uh, a meaningful experience. The judge ruled that Seventh-day Adventists had nothing to do with the church uh, as, as, as trying to pretend we're the church or be another church. That was It was simply an adjective describing who we are and that the church at that point had not trademarked the name. And shortly after that, they, they trademarked and locked in the name. But we won the lawsuit. The church had to actually pay a uh, minimal amount for damages, which we then turned around and donated to an AIDS uh, organization. So I think right. that was probably the only time the church has ever donated to an AIDS organization. So what was the result of the lawsuit? Not only did the organized church lose the dispute, LGBTQ church members that were fighting for dignity now realized how ruthless the organization they once loved could be that being LGBTQ somehow made them less human, less deserving of the dignity we all deserve as Imago Dei. And so many of them left religion behind. 
we won that battle, but we lost, or at least temporarily up until now. We'll see what the future brings, but we lost the war in many ways because it put the rift between kinship and the general conference even wider and bigger. The people that were involved from kinship, the leaders at that time, because they had to do lots of testimonies and whatever parts of the trial, they pretty much lost their Adventist connection, their beliefs, their faith in the Adventist church. It was something that totally destroyed the people that were involved with that. And then the church lost, you know, we got to keep the name. So I like to, I mean, we call ourselves kinship often just as a short, shortened name. But I like to, when I'm officially writing or whatever, to make sure that SDA or Seventh-day Adventist is in there so that it's it's clear that we we still definitely are a part of the church, you yeah. know, either current or, or former uh, members of the church. And uh, You earned the name, you know, like yeah, you, yeah, <laughs> you fought yeah. for it and you earned it. And, and actually, it's, it's a trigger for some people. And they tell us, you know, we would we would much rather you not have the name because of their bad experience with the church and being disfellowshipped or whatever their experience was in their home church. And so for them to join another organization called Seventh-day Adventist Kinship International is, is a trigger. And so, you know, there is a downside to it, but I think that the, uh, the plus side does win out and it's yeah. a constant reminder to the church that, you know, we, we still we're exist. Still yeah. You're right. I think that is a sticky situation to be in, you know, because somebody who goes through a disfellowshipping could easily just be like, keep the name. I don't want anything to do with you. I will move on and have my life of faith and not be associated. And then there's others who say, I don't want to be a part of another church. And so where do I go and how do I find myself in a community of like believers? And so Mm -hmm. it, it does sound very tricky. Yeah, yeah, it, definitely. But if you took off Seventh-day Adventist, I mean, there are tons of LGBT support groups and communities out there. We would just be one of Another. thousands of others, and there would be nothing unique about us. You know, there's a lot of people that have the misconception that we sued the church over the name for whatever reason. Uh, I hear that a lot. It's like, yeah, why did Kinship sue the Adventist church? It's like, no, it was the other way around. The church sued us over the use of the name. I got a letter from a professor, me, Kendra R. Snow, speaking, from someone at the seminary who made a statement that essentially said, if I were to come out as LGBTQ affirming, I would essentially be rejecting my community of faith. And this is what it said actually verbatim. It says, and I quote, I would just urge you to think carefully about your role as the individual in relation to the community of belief and the responsibility we have to each other right now. You may not feel that you have much in common with the folk over at such and such church, but in a sense, you are both united in your approach to prioritizing individual conviction over the fellowship of believers. And sometimes this has to happen, as in Martin Luther, but effectively you are saying then, This is no longer my community of faith. I hope you don't feel or believe this way. I had to start asking myself if affirming the dignity of LGBTQ lives 
meant that I was no longer a part of my community of faith. Was I still an Adventist? You're born LGBT, whatever it is, gay, lesbian, bi. That's something that you don't have a choice over. That's that's what happens during the chemical bath in the womb when your mom is still incubating you <laughs> in, inside of her. And a lot is determined there. And then you grow up and you decide whether you're wanting to stay in the church or not. If you're born in the church or come in later on, that's a decision we make. But being LGBT is not something that we can, we can pretend that we're living otherwise, but we can't actually change what's inside of us. That's part of our core being. So yeah, we can decide if we want to keep that name Seventh-day Adventist, if we want to be a part of this community. And that's really a hard call for so many people. So many people have told me, why do you stay? Why are you still an Adventist? And you know, being an Adventist has nothing really to do with my relationship with God. That's always going to be consistent and that, you know, can fluctuate or whatever, but it's, that's between me and God, not this label that I give myself. I still want to call myself Adventist. It's, it's a religion. It's a culture we grew up in, you know, everything from haystacks to pathfinders to whatever that we, that is part of our history, no matter what the general conference, what Ted Wilson says, I'm still an Adventist in my heart, no matter which of the 28 fundamental beliefs that I subscribe to or whatever, it's a self term. And, you know, even if a church says, I want to dis- you need to be disfellowshipped because you're gay, that's just a piece of paper that, that has nothing to do with, with what my heart is. We can claim to be part of the church, whether or not the church claims you. It's a religion. It's a belief system. People might have trademark over the name, but they don't have ownership over your belief. The church does a lot of things to embarrass me, and, and, and I wish it didn't. And it's, you know, LGBT is one of those issues that I feel it's wrong and what embarrasses me. But I still am proud because the church does a lot of good things. It does help a lot of people. ADRA and just telling people that they can live a better life, a healthier life. Those are all great things. I just wish that it would listen to us and talk to us. And that's the biggest thing is since that very first camp meeting and reinforced then at the lawsuit, the church has refused to have a dialogue with kinship to even hear our stories. And when, when Ted Wilson said that about LGBTQIA+, in, at the annual council, and then I sent him the video saying, hey, there's, there's more to it than what you're saying. You're talking about an action, and we're talking about people who maybe have not experienced any action at all of that type. Let's talk about this so that you can understand where we're coming from you may not agree, and that's that's okay if you don't agree with us, but let's at least talk about this and discuss it. And the church refuses to give us that space or to even acknowledge that we exist. What Floyd is referring to here is a statement made by Ted Wilson, who is the president of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventism. This is what he had to say about the LGBTQ community, and I quote, Adultery, fornication, and LGBTQIA are in direct opposition to God's law and heavenly plan for human sexuality. We must make a conscious choice, even though unpopular, to speak up for the Bible truth 
and not simply go along with societal trends. Some people have humorously pointed out that the very group he is pointing out also includes the A of the community, who might not be engaged in sexual activity at all, or the intersect community. How are these people in direct opposition to God's law? Obviously, he's not being very nuanced in what he has to say. And that's why we need more people joining kinship for more voices, not just the LGBT community, but our parents, our families, our supportive allies. If anyone at all believes that it's wrong what the church is doing to LGBT people by disfellowshipping them or not allowing them to be members or are active. Um, join kinship. Let join in our voice and be a part of uh, this movement because we're no longer just a club for gay people, but uh, I'd like to see us be a movement for change. So where does this prejudice towards affirming organizations come from? Well, The Old Testament has a list of behaviors that are forbidden, and the list is pretty extensive. For example, there are laws about theft. Then there are laws against animal cruelty. This even includes neglecting the animal of your enemy if it needs help. Exodus 23.5 says, If you see the donkey of the one who hates you lying down under its cargo, you shall not abandon him. You shall rescue him. There are even laws that pertain to sex many of which speak against the acts of incest or adultery, saying, quote, no one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations, Leviticus 18.6. Many of these laws have the common framework of ethics, answering questions like, what is just and what is the right thing to do, even to your enemies? Some of these laws in light of today's ethics can seem rather outdated, like the laws regarding rape. According to Deuteronomy 22.22, if a woman is raped in the city and she doesn't scream loudly enough for others to hear her and rescue her, she shall be put to death. But if she's raped in the countryside where no one would hear her even if she did scream, she shall not be put to death. In our modern context, we now know there are women who are raped but don't necessarily cry out and fight off their attackers. Some women freeze in response to violence. So this law isn't exactly humane or circumspect. When it comes to questions of sexual orientation, the Bible doesn't speak on this either. There are some verses that discuss sex acts, but they don't give exact context. For example, the famous verse in Leviticus 18 says, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. There are no verses pertaining to lesbian sex in the Old Testament. It's simply not addressed. And this verse in particular, it's couched between these two verses. One, you must not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech, and you must not have sex with an animal. The context in which we read this verse leaves many to believe that this verse isn't exactly a prohibition against same-sex marriage in the ways that we know it today, but rather the context is pointing to a more barbaric, violent practice often associated with idolatry, like rape. As people with limited lifespans, it's hard to be experts at everything. But the question I do have to ask today is, what makes a pastor? I think a pastor is someone who looks over the entirety of the flock. They are concerned about everyone. They're someone who's interested in 
harm reduction, not this perfectionistic attainment of some ideal. They understand the people over whom they are shepherding, and their heart and actions are for their good. There is love there. There is an active seeking for peace. And so what are your hopes for the future of SDA Kinship? And where can people reach you and find some resources? I hope that we can have a stronger voice in the church and that the church will at some point listen and listen to us. Again, I don't, I don't expect a, a big shift in theology, but at least say that, hey, we exist and that we can coexist in, in the church. Kinship right now has, this year we have a lot of great new Zooms and, and trainings and the Unclobber book is still there. You know, if you go to sdakinship.org forward slash Unclobber, you can order a free copy of the book. It's not only free, but the shipping is, is free as well. So, and so we'd love for you to read it, to share it with your pastors and to get back to me and let me know what your thoughts and comments are on the book. So just feeding people information is not the goal. The goal is to have a, a dialogue back and forth and to help us understand where you're coming from, where we're coming from. We have the first Friday night worship, the first Friday night of each month, East Coast time, seven, seven o'clock. I believe it's seven or is it eight at the East Coast time. Since I'm in Central, I get my time zones always mixed up. We have a roundtable for families and friends that happens one Sunday a month. Uh, so we have lots of activities. So the best way is to join Kinship, either as a member or as a subscriber. Go to our website, sdakinship.org, and uh, you can you know connect with us there. You can always send us an email. I'll get that, info at sdakinship.org. And we have the social media we have Facebook, we have Twitter and Instagram, just at SDA Kinship. And we have a YouTube channel that has uh, quite a, a library now of our worships and week of prayers and, and the Kinship Connects podcasts are on there. You can go to the YouTube at SDA Kinship INT. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Floyd. And I know we have been on here for quite a while. This is probably going to be a couple episodes, but <laughs> taking pleasure. the time. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. Good. One simple resource I would recommend regarding change ministries and its effectiveness is a documentary that's very accessible on Netflix, and it's called Pray Away. And it looks at the history of change ministries, and it looks at some of the leaders who were leading out in this ministry back in the 80s, and looking at their perspective. Was it effective? Was it not? And I think this documentary provides a lot of insight into the ways that we have got it wrong when it comes to ministering to the LGBTQ community. And I think SDA Kinship is on the right path, creating space where people can be truly themselves. Imago Gay is a podcast where we explore queer questions and a colorful God. In addition to curious conversations, I am so grateful for all of you who have reached out and have been sharing your personal stories, tragedies, and triumphs within the queer community of faith. I just want to encourage you all this week to stand strong. If you are enjoying this content, please be sure to rate the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcast and share this episode with a friend. 
If you'd like to reach me, you can write me at Kendra Arsenault with the next on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow our sponsors today, Spectrum Magazine and SDA Kinship International, and be sure to sign up for their newsletters where you will get the latest updates on queer news and happenings. This episode was created and engineered by yours truly and sponsored by Spectrum Magazine and SDA Kinship International.